Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We need to understand things from a biblical standpoint. And when we look at the Word of God, and I'm speaking not only concerning the prophets in the Old Testament, but also individuals like Messiah himself, the Apostle Paul, and as we have been studying, Simon Peter. What these men say concerning the last days are very clear. And what do they say? It is going to be a very difficult time for this world. But I have good news. The good news is this. If you have received the gospel, that is, put your faith in the all-sufficient death of Messiah upon that cross, that he died for your sins and mine, the sins of the world, and also shed his blood to purchase for us eternal redemption. If you've received that gospel, then God promises you something, and that is that you will never hear that carefully. You will never experience any of the wrath of God. For Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, I have not appointed you for wrath, but to obtain salvation. And that salvation means an eternal victory whereby we will be released from this body of sin and death in order to receive a new body, a perfect body, a glorified body that is perfectly designed for eternity in the kingdom of God, in the presence of the holy God of Israel. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to 2 Peter and chapter 2. 2 Peter and chapter 2. Here he's speaking first and foremost to believers about some of the things that we can expect. And when we look at this, we learn something. And that is, things are not going to get easier as we approach the last days. You see, there are false teachers. Messiah said there would be false prophets in the last days. And they're going to tell a prophetically confused account of the last days. What do they say? Well, they teach and they use the term a seven mountain theology. They speak of such things as mountains. And I'm talking about the family, governments, journalism, the media, arts and entertainment, education, in fact, the key spheres of society, they say that the church is going to convert these things under the submissiveness to the word of God. That this world, through the work of the church, is going to be made righteous. 
That's known as a type of dominion theology that the church will have dominion in this world. Now, that is not going to happen in this age. You see, when you look at the scriptures, we see that Messiah is going to be the one who brings the wrath of God upon this world. Because as you can see, things are not getting better, more righteous. Things are not holy and pure and submissive to the truth of God. Quite the contrary. This world, as the prophets teach, is becoming more corrupt, darker. This world is not a world of light, but darkness. And as we're going to see, the word of God, and I'm speaking about the new covenant, what's called the New Testament, speaks of the fact that judgment is coming upon the world. Now, look with me, as I said, to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. And it begins, that second word in the Greek language that appears here in verse 1 is a conjunction of contrasts. Why? Well, he's going to be talking about false prophets in the past, false teachers in the last days, and he's contrasting them to what he spoke about, what we talked about at the end of chapter 1. And what was that? The prophetic word of God that was brought through by means of the Holy Spirit and enabled holy men to speak. So that's how chapter 1 ended. Prophetic truth through the Holy Spirit that came about because the Holy Spirit enabled holy men to speak. But notice what he says in verse 1. But... It has come about, now he's speaking about the past, what has come about? Also false prophets among the people. Now here he's speaking about how Israel has been plagued. Just read the accounts of First and Second Kings. Look at what the prophets dealt with. For every true prophet like Isaiah and Jeremiah, there was multitudes of false prophets prophets and what he's saying is this this is what we should understand not a false dominion theology that things are going to get better and the church is going to be successful in converting the world and every sphere in the world that's false prophecy does not agree with that false teaching what do we have here look again but as was false prophets among the people as also among you will be false teachers. So if you believe, as I do, that things are converging, that we're moving closer to the last days, what should we expect? An increase of false teachers. And I believe that if you have even the smallest respect and understanding of Scripture, you can see that false teachers... Their books are the most popular. They are giving preference oftentimes on Christian networks, on radio stations. We see that there is an increase and a growing popularity for these false teachers. And what is Peter doing? Peter is warning believers. 
Now, we should not be surprised by this. We ought not be discouraged by this. Realize this is what the end times is going to bring about, an increase in false teachers. And what do these do? Who? Bringing in secretly. Now, this is a word of something which is covert, something which is hidden. They're not honest. Now, when I look, and I like politics, and I oftentimes watch these Senate and congressional hearings. And when a, a senator or congressman will ask those who are testifying before some committee a question, and you can see this, for example, on YouTube, that these had come from the left, that come from a liberal, progressive, let's be honest, a satanic point of view. They don't want to answer questions. They are, are individuals that want to conceal what they believe. Now, I never want to do that. You ask me a question, I want to give you a direct, clear, succinct answer. I want you to know exactly what I believe, but these false teachers, oh, they deal with things and conceal what they believe. They are, are frauds, counterfeits. And this is what it's saying here. Who bring in secretly, covertly. Notice what it says. Heresies, and there's an adjective, destructive heresy. Very important. And all of this, as we'll see, is within a context of the last days. So be aware, there's going to be an increase of false teachers. They're going to bring in secretly, convert covertly, destructive heresies. That's what's being taught here. And it says, the one who bought them. Now, this is speaking about the Redeemer. This word for purchasing is a word that relates to redemption. And who purchased me with his blood? Well, we have a word here, if we keep reading, where it speaks about this one who is our Lord. Now, it's not the normal word for Lord. It's a word that, that normally refers to a master, someone who has absolute authority in a area, in a jurisdiction. And it says, the one who purchased, meaning redeemed them, it says, they deny. And what else? This denial, this false teaching, what do they do? They bring upon themselves quick destruction. Now, realize this word for quick is in the word soon. It is not saying that this is going to happen very soon. What it's saying is this, when that judgment, that time for God's judgment upon them comes, it is going to come quickly. It is going to come in a fast way. So it may delay five years, 50 years, 100 years, we don't know. But when it comes, it is going to come swiftly upon them and their eternal destruction. Look now to, to verse 2. And many have followed after. What have they followed after? They have followed after these, these destructive things. Now, some, and there's a difference. I'm reading from the Texas Receptus. 
And the Greek word here is a word for that which is destructive. If you're reading from a translation that follows Nestle Allen, it will not have the word destructive, but will have the word sensual. So they're following after, it's destructive, and in in one uh, version it has something that is sensual in nature, but we're going to follow what I have, where it says, they have followed after these, these destructive things that belong to them, these false teachers, whom which, what do they do? Whom the way of truth, it is blaspheme. So what do they do? That way of truth, and I would say in these two verses, we see a connection between our master, that redeemer who purchased us with his blood, and the way of truth. They blaspheme. Now, it's exactly that word. Some will say they speak against, they have malice for, but it's the word blaspheme. And the fact that that's there tells us that it is speaking against God. Blasphemy is against God. And this proves the, the divinity of Messiah. Look on. It says in verse, verse 3, and in, and the next word is covetousness. Now, that's what they do. They are people that covet, and they covet the things of this world. Don't be like a man in Hebrew, his name is Achan, think in English, Achan, that remember, he took from the plunder that he ought not, that should have been totally destroyed. And what did he do? He took this this, uh, uh, mantle, that robe, and it was a robe of Babylon. And he took that with gold and silver. What did he do? He buried it under his tent. Now, that's significant. Why? Well, what do you do with something that's dead? You bury it. It shows that these things, although that that we in our flesh like the things of the world, they are things that relate to death. And they brought death upon him, upon his family. It brought great destruction. Don't be deceived. Don't be exploited by the enemy that tries to get you to turn away from that which is good that which is holy, that which is righteous, and embrace the things of this world that lead to death. So look again, verse 3, and in covetousness, fabricating words. That's what it says here, words of fabrication, which they exploit you. And who does that? The ones for that judgment of old, and that judgment of old, he says, It's not idle, and their destruction is not slumbering. So it's a real thing. God says that he has spoken when he says this destruction, this punishment of old, meaning it's something that God has revealed a long time ago. And it's not idle. It's not slumbering. This punishment, this destruction, it's going to come upon those who exploit individuals by fabricating words. And I tell you what, if you listen to a lot of people, instead of focusing upon the word, they focus upon stories, accounts, which I believe much is fabricated. 
Now, I need to be careful, but there is a, a program, very popular, and they have guests after guests that fabricate things. And, and everything is supernatural. Everything is, is based upon someone's experience. And there's very little emphasis upon the truth of God. This is what Peter is warning. And we're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to take seriously these words? Are we going to apply them to our life? Are we going to stand upon them? If we do, we'll be ready for the last days. But if we go with what's popular, see, there's going to be, what does he say? Many false teachers, just like there were many false prophets among Israel. The false prophets greatly outnumbered the true prophets. We don't go along with the majority. We go with the truth. And so he warns us here about this judgment of long ago that God spoke of through the prophets. And he says, it's not idle, nor is their destruction slumbering. Verse 4. Now we have an example. For since, and that's the best way to, to translate this because it's nothing uncertain. For since God, the God of Israel, since God did not spare the sinning angels, but gloomy chains, what did he do? He brought them down to hell. That's what we are being told. He delivered them over for a judgment that has been kept. So again, there's that, that prophetic judgment that the prophets have spoken of for a long time. And even these angels, because they sinned, they rebelled against God's instruction. God has them now in chains, chains of gloom or darkness, for, for their destruction, and notice what he says, for judgment that has been kept. They have been kept for that. Verse 5, and the ancient world, here's another example, not upon angels, but on individuals. And this testifies of the seriousness of God to punish those who reject, reject his truth and embrace these fabricated words. Look very carefully where he says, verse, verse 5, And the ancient world he did not spare, but one of eight. Now, who are we speaking about? Noah. What is Noah? He is a proclaimer, a herald of righteousness. And this one God kept, having brought the flood, that flood, that, that came upon the world of ungodly. Those who practiced those things that were in conflict with the truth of God, God brought that flood upon the world of ungodly. And then he's going to show another example in history. Look now to verse 6 where he says, And he condemned, what did he condemn? The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And how did he do that? It says he burned them to ashes, strong term. He did not spare the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. What did he do? The text says he burned them to ashes. And then we have a word which means a total destruction. Now we have the word. He condemned. And why did he do that? Well, not just for their wickedness. 
their sinfulness in Sodom and Gomorrah. But notice he says, he condemned as a future example, an example of what's coming in the future, which he has appointed for what? The ungodly. So over and over in this second chapter, God makes it clear. He states it several times. There is a judgment coming upon the ungodly. Now, here's the good news. We're all ungodly, but we don't have to remain ungodly. We don't have to experience that judgment, that condemnation that he spoke about. What can we do? I mentioned it earlier. We can accept the gospel. Acknowledging our sin, that's where it begins. Oh God, I'm a sinner. I have lived ungodly, rebelliously. I have believed the lie. And I am so sorry. I repent, meaning I turn away from that and embrace your moral standards. If we don't embrace the standards of God, his moral standards, all of his standards, and say, yes, this is right. This is truth. This is what I am called for. This is what the Holy Spirit has come into my life to produce. Righteousness. When we walk in the Spirit, we fulfill the righteousness of the law. That's what Paul says in Romans 8, 4. So he appointed, that's what it says, this destruction, just like the example of the flood. He, he appointed that just like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as an example, an example of what's coming. Look now to verse, verse 7. And righteous lot being oppressed by the licentiousness. Now here again, this is ungodly living. So righteous Lot being oppressed by this licentiousness in sensual behavior. That described that Sodom and Gomorrah in a very ungodly sensuality. That which is an abomination what's called homosexuality and it says that he did something he delivered this one for he was seeing and hearing who was this righteous one he was hearing and seeing living among them day and night his righteous soul and then it says that righteous soul being tormented by and pay very close attention to these works of lawlessness. That means they did this lawlessness is against the commandments of God. That word that appears here, anomos, it's a word for the Torah and being against it. And by the way, that is exactly what the Antichrist is called, the man of lawlessness. Why? He's against love and he's against righteousness, the two primary characteristics of the law of Moses. Look now to our last verse, verse 9. Now, we just concluded where it says, righteous Lot was tormented, he was burdened greatly because of all the unrighteousness that he saw. And this is how a true believer is seeing the world now. So much unrighteousness, so much confusion, calling that which is evil good, 
and calling that which is is good evil that's the world that we're living in last verse 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 9 the lord knows this is word he's known in the past he knows now and he knows in the future meaning he knows perfectly the lord knows the the godly out of temptation and here's that same word out of trials and temptation he knows how to deliver but the unrighteous and it's in the plural the unrighteous ones for the day of judgment see if we believe that false teaching of dominion theology that that the church is going to be successful and bringing everything under the submissive will of God, that we're going to take control of the family, of governments, of education, of arts, of entertainment, of the media, and the list goes on. We're going to convert every aspect of the world before Messiah comes. Then why would he come with wrath? Why is he coming? As, as the word of God says, Peter's emphasizing this. And he says all these things that he's done in the past, the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, putting the angels that sin in prison, in darkness, in those chains, all of this are example for what? What's coming, what he's going to do. What does the scripture say? The future things. So we need to be prepared by the revelation of God, not by false teachers. Again, verse 9 The Lord knows the godly ones out of trials or temptation to deliver, but the unrighteous for the day of judgment being kept for punishment. When Messiah comes, and I'm speaking about not the rapture, but the second coming. When Messiah comes at the end of Daniel's 70th week, at the end of those final seven years we read about that in the book of revelation in chapter 19 he's coming to bring that final outpouring it has began previously but we're going to see that after the rapture god's going to begin his judgment his wrath and when messiah comes at the end of the day of the lord at the end of those final seven years he is going to bring that final blow that final outpouring of God's wrath and that final outpouring is going to bring about a total annihilation an absolute defeat of the enemy and when that enemy is defeated and cast out of this world into utter darkness where there's pain sorrow for eternity then Messiah is going to establish that kingdom he's going to rule for a thousand years in Jerusalem And those who are born in that millennial kingdom, they're going to see the righteousness of God and what God intended this world to be. What's amazing is this. There's going to be a great multitude that nevertheless rejects Messiah's leadership. And that just tells you about the evilness that this world and humanity has. And there's only one solution, and that is the gospel receiving the redemption which causes us to become a new creation in the will of God and for the purposes of God. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <laughs>